Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Uh, like David said, my name is Nathan. Um, we actually, I had the honor of meeting David first in 2006. I was a volunteer youth leader at the time, and I remember the moment vividly. I was sitting next to my, my girlfriend, my wife now at the time, Rachel, in a, a huge auditorium at a student conference, and I remember hearing David speak for the very first time and looking at her and going, that is the type of Christianity I want to live. And over the last five years, really actually next month will be five years exactly since we, we have said yes to the call of God and the vision that God has given Pastor David Renata for Kansas City. And it has been life-changing and we are so much the better for it. We are better Christ followers. I'm a better husband and we are better parents because of their influence. So thank you so much for investing in not just me, but so many people through Radiant Church. Um, we have been in a series, like David said, called Relationally Strong these last few weeks. And the key verse that, that we've looked at each week has been out of John chapter 13. You actually saw it on the video a moment ago, but I'm going to read it and then we'll pray. John 13 verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. It is by this that all people... Well, know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, that's a strong statement that Jesus is, is making right out of the gate. He's saying the indicator, the evidence, the, the, the way people are going to know that you're my disciple is by how you love one another. That's a strong indicator. And, and I love how our pastors frame this series each week. It's, it's essentially saying if you want to be relationally strong, horizontally with people, then that means you have to be relationally strong. That what's going on in your heart has to be right because that will influence how you have relationships. If you are easily offended, he spoke about it last week, you're going to carry that baggage. It's going to affect your relationships with other people. Jesus spoke about the same concept in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says this, that if the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, but the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And then finally, this is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, if you want to have strong relationships, it starts with your mouth. It starts with the words that we speak out of the good treasure. What's going, what's going on inside of your heart is what is going to come out of your mouth when you speak. Now, this is like, this is one of those topics that's really easy to know, but really difficult to live out. Like speaking life, what's, monitoring what's coming out of your mouth, it's like leg day. No one, everyone knows it's important, but no one really wants to do it. It's that moment because we're, we're so hardwired to react in our society that it's, we don't want to wait. We don't want to speak life. We just want to react in a moment to whatever stimulus, whatever thing's going on around us. We just want to have an instant reaction. 
Someone posts something online and you feel the need in the moment to, I must react to this thing. This person needs to know that they're wrong. And I need to be the person who tells them this. 400 comments later, we're still in the same place we began. We want to react. We want to have that dopamine hit of saying, I posted something and now it's, I'm getting replies. I'm getting responses. All of a sudden it's this dialogue that's happening because we feel the need to react. You're at a work meeting. Someone says something that you don't like. You feel the need that you need to respond immediately to what that person has said. How dare they say that to me? How dare they insinuate that about me? How dare they, they post this or articulate or communicate this, this derogatory thing or this negative thing about me? I need, I need to set them straight right now. Or, or someone actually does something to you. We want to react. We want to respond. We want to lash out. And Jesus is saying what's going on on the inside is going to come out on the, in the outside. Last week, my wife and I, we were on our way to our small group when we had our kids with us. So we decided just to pick up dinner on the way to the small group. And we thought, hey, we're going to go be with God's people. We're going to eat God's chicken. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A and we don't want to, we didn't want to go through the drive-thru. We didn't, you know, you don't really go in restaurants per se anymore. So we ordered the food on the app and the drive-thru is just, I don't know if you've ever been through Chick-fil-A drive-thru. It's like, it's, it's all the way at like two blocks away from the actual restaurant. It's always so long. So we ordered on the app and I just, I go around the block. I'm thinking, oh, this is clever, right? I'm like, I'm going to go around the block so that I'm not turning left. I'm turning right. And I get there and I pull up and the line's blocked and I'm waiting patiently, you know, with my blinker on, like I'm going to turn right. And the person across from me, I think, notices that my blinker's on and begins to like have a conversation with me through her, their, their car. And I'm trying to be like the nice Kansas City driver that I am and like hand gesture what I'm, my intention is. That I'm not trying to take your place in line. I'm trying to go around you. And I'm like literally making these motions like they actually know what I'm trying to say. It's the, this person's probably like, he's telling me he's turning right. No, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like going around. I'm like making the gesture like over dramatic around. Like I'm speaking slowly like they can understand me. All the things, all the things you know to do when you're driving. And, and then all of a sudden the, the gap opens up and the person just floors it and takes the space. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not an overly angry or aggressive driver, but I'm like, in that moment, I'm going, I should react. I drive a truck, that's a little car. I will win. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that moment and you're like, I need to react to them. She's telling me I'm number one. I'm the best driver she's seen the day. I should tell her she's the best driver I've seen today. And it's this moment where you just, you want to react to the, to the person. You want to react to the moment. And you want to speak death into them. And you want to speak harshly. And if we're honest, maybe we don't speak harshly to the person. But we run them down to other people all day long. So even if I don't react to the person driving the car, maybe I spend five minutes to my, talking about it to my wife in the passenger seat. Maybe I spend time with the small group telling the people, you're not going to believe what happened when I went and got Chick-fil-A. We become preoccupied in this moment that we feel like the, 
the events, the external thing, we're justified in our reactions. But the reality is what Jesus is saying is that the condition of our heart is revealed by the content of our conversations. So if, if their conversations are turning and going on a downhill trajectory, that's not an indication of just the, the thing that happened to you. That's an indication of something that's happening inside of your heart. That your, your words are a byproduct of the condition of your heart. That what's going on inside of you will always come out of you and we're looking to blame an external circumstance so that we don't have to do the hard heart work that God would have us do to mature as the people of God. You see, God wants to do something inside of us before our words change. It has to come from a heart change first. You see, our relationships with God and people are, are predicated, they're influenced by our words. Our words are so valuable. Actually, look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18. Now, when Solomon was writing most of these Proverbs, he literally referred to the book of Proverbs as the sum of all wisdom. Now, that's either a little bit on the ego-driven side or it's just right. So Proverbs 18.20 says it like this. It says, from the fruit of a man's stomach, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it are going to eat its fruit. Solomon is writing that the quality of your life is impacted by the quality of your words. And there's a moment where we have this, we, we kind of know this to be true, but we don't want to actually live the truth of this verse. We devalue the words we say like they're unimportant. We say that this is just my two cents. Before we want to weigh into anything, we're like, this is just, just my two cents. It doesn't mean anything. It's only worth a couple pennies. Or when we're asking for somebody else's opinion, we say, hey, a penny for your thoughts. Isn't it a little ironic? We value our thoughts at two cents and other people's at one. It's this moment where we have such a low value for the words that we speak, but in actuality, all of us have felt the power of words. The majority of the pain that you've experienced in life has pro could probably be tied to something someone has said about you or said to you. When we have people speaking death into us, when we have people speaking harsh things over us, when we have people saying things that, that hurt and wound us, we carry that baggage around and it influences other relationships. You know, it's the, the phrase, we, we, all of our kids hear it, we, we probably teach our kids it, and I, we probably all have heard it when we were growing up, that sticks and stones may break your bones, but your words will never hurt me. That's like setting your kids up for disappointment. <laughs> I've thought about this. Even this week, I have, uh, my little girl is in kindergarten and a little boy at lunch called her tomato soup. And she was like telling me about this, like grieved, like, I, and I'm listening to her and going, Jossie, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. 
I, I, I don't know what he meant by that. <laughs> but I'm sorry that it has upset you. And it's this moment where words have power. Words have meaning. When I look back on my life and I think about the people that have spoken life and influence over me, there's a man named Bill who, when I was a young college student, recognized the call of God in my life and would speak into that and speak life into that to encourage me. I grew up in a divorced home and just I wanted to become a good husband so badly. I just, I just wanted to, to break that generational line that I had seen come through my family and just, God, I want, I want to be a good husband. And there's another guy, a separate person, but his name was Bill, who would, I would go to him with questions and he's, he would just encourage me and just tell me that you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a good husband. And he would encourage me and, and tell me to do things like dust and do the dishes that have formatively shaped my marriage. There are so many moments and opportunities when we look back about the key markers of our lives that is because of something someone has said to us. We're hardwired to react. But I believe the, the Jesus way is, is to speak life into people. The Jesus way is to encourage and to lift up. You know, and maybe, maybe you never physically assaulted anyone in your life, but man, who have we run down with our words? There's a moment where we can make a decision to, to speak life into people, to encourage them and to build them up. And most of the time, if when we look at our society, we look at 2020, and just in particular, just this year, our, our world has never seemed more hostile, more divisive, more angry, more resentful. And our, the temptation is to just, just to go with the flow of our society and just act like them and act like everyone else does. And when we see someone post something, when we hear something just to, to vilify and to lash out verbally or with our typing, that just run them down. And most of the time, we don't actually even know these people. So just, I want to challenge you this week, audit yourself. Just this week, just for one week, audit yourself online. What do your comments on, on social media look like? What do your comments to other people look like? What, in your unguarded moments of your life, when you let your guard down, what are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Is it life or is it death? We can be a people who speak life. I love the book of James in the New Testament. James was written by Jesus' half-brother, and, and theologians actually refer to the book of James as the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's so practical in nature. And in James chapter 3, he says this. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? 
James is echoing what Jesus has said, and he's echoing what the book of Proverbs has said, and he's saying, listen, you have a spring inside of you, and it's either going to come out as life, as fresh water for people who are dehydrated and weary, or it is going to come out as salt water, and it's actually going to exasperate the dehydration that people are already experiencing. You see, James goes on, he says it like this in 4.17, James 4.17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So this isn't like the behavior modification message on speaking life. This is not, hey, just don't speak life, get a swear jar, put it back on your counter, put a dollar in. This is not that conversation. This is what is on the inside If we can get what's on the inside to be fresh water, to be refreshment for people, then it will come out on the outside. And we don't have to try to withhold what we're saying in a a behavior modification type way, but we can allow the springs of God, the spring, the well life of God that's, that's operating in your life as fresh water to come out and bring refreshment to people. I love the way Paul writes it in Ephesians 4. He says that every word can be a gift. You see, but we're, we're holding that gift so frequently because we've got, again, these, these little phrases we pick up as, as children that are so completely just non-biblical. It's, a, it's if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And we walk through life like Christian minds, like we're stuck in a box somehow. And we, I, I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. Because maybe that person has got the promotion that you wanted. Maybe that person has um, got the, the leadership position that you wanted. Maybe that person's got the accolades that you thought you rightly deserved. So instead of speaking life, we withhold it. And we don't give them the refreshment, the fresh water, the life that can come, outside, come out of us. And just think about this image for a moment. If, we're, if you're walking down the road and there's someone collapsed with dehydration, wouldn't it be just as cruel to withhold water as it would be to give them something poisonous? God has called us to be a refreshment to the world around us. They're dehydrated. They're looking for the Holy Spirit of God. And as the people of God, we are where God can move on the earth through you to make a difference in people's lives. But in the way we do that is through our words. It's through our typing right now. Listen, if you smile while you type, you will have a harder time typing angry. There is something physiological that happens in your brain when you smile that will literally start to begin to shift your mood, even if it's forced. Like, I understand some of you are going to get to work and you're going to smile all day long and everyone's going to think you're having a great day. But if you smile while you type, it is much, much harder to verbally or type assault somebody with your words. There's a moment where we can, we have the opportunity to speak life into people and into situations every single day. So how do we get better at this? I think the first thing we do is we pause. 
I think we pause. I think we live in an instant reaction society. So I think the first thing we need to do is stop reacting, but to pause. James says it like this in chapter one. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James is tying these three ideas together, that if you will be quick to listen, it will help you to be slow to speak. And if you can be slow to speak, it will help you to be slow to anger. Every person needs to be quick to hear. I grew up, my father would always give me the um, advice at the most random times. And one of the most frequent pieces of advice that I heard as a young, as a young man, a young child growing up was two things. One, when I was very little, that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. So you would listen twice as much as you talk. You can tell about little Nathan as a child. And you don't have to say everything you think. Again, this is a little window into raising a little mini-me. It's this moment my father was like, you don't have to say everything you think. Just because it's in your mind does not mean it needs to come out of your mouth. So what we need to do is we just need to wait. We ask ourselves, why am I talking? We just need to wait. We just need to pause. We just need to, why am I talking right now? Do I need to weigh in on this debate? Do I need to weigh in on this online dialogue? Do I need to weigh in in this moment or should I wait? I promise the words that come out of your mouth will be better They'll be life-giving more frequently if you just, you pause. Don't interrupt people's sentences. I do this all the time. You can ask Rachel, she'll verify this. I, in my mind, I don't know what it is. I think I know where the conversation's going. So about four, five words in, I feel like I've reached the conclusion and everything else is just banter, right? I mean, so I'm just like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Here's, here's, here's the answer. She's like, I wasn't going there. I'm like, oh, what were you going to say? You know what I mean? This is that moment. It's just like, Proverbs actually says this. If one gives an answer before he hears, it's folly. It's folly and shame. Don't finish other people's sentences. Let them talk. Pause. Let, let, them, let them get all of their thoughts out before you respond. Then I think we ponder. I think we actually think about what we want to say. There are three types of people in this world. There are people who think before they talk. There are people who think while they talk. And there are people who think after they talk. My encouragement to us today is to be in that first group. I catch myself being in group two. Let's, let's, let's be people who, who think before we talk. Let's ponder what we have to say. Let's really have a, a time where we actually, like, what, am, what, what do I think about this? Why do I think this about this situation? You know, maybe you've never thought about it like this before, but the Bible actually communicates that the heart, your heart is the seat, the, the primary place where you're gonna do your deepest reasoning. It's not your mind and your in intellect. It's actually, it's your heart. Let me give you some examples. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for he is like one who is, who is inwardly calculating from his heart. Uh, Luke 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured all of these things up, 
pondering them in her heart. Isn't it interesting when the Lord sent an angel to speak to Mary, she didn't process it through her intellect, but she pondered it in her heart. Luke chapter two, keep going. It says, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Luke nine, but Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and set him by his side. Matthew nine, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? And finally, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Your heart is where you do your deepest reasoning. So my encouragement to you is, is don't just pause, don't just wait, do that but actually ponder, actually think, what would God have me say in this conversation? There are so many times where you can be mid-conversation and God will speak to you and go, don't say that. That is, that is not gonna be life-giving. There are, there are moments in a conversation where you can, you, when you pause and you're hearing people out and you're going, okay, God, what are, you, what are you saying in this conversation? What would you have me say in this conversation that the Lord will speak to you and you'll be able to give a life-giving answer to the person you're in dialogue with? Now, doesn't that sound so much better than a rapid reaction? Doesn't that sound so much better than from, hey, I'm just gonna answer this question off the top of my brain here, off the top of my mind, here's what I think. Here's, here's an answer that's just real quick. This is, I'm trying to move this on and get past this. Instead of answering from the top of your, of your head, what have you actually said? You took time to pause, to ponder, to hear the Lord and go, hey, I've been thinking about this conversation and, and from the bottom of my heart, here's what, I, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think the Holy Spirit would say into this moment, here's what I believe the, the word of God says about this conversation or this topic. Wouldn't it be so much more edifying to the people we come into contact with if we actually just paused and pondered? And then I think we pray. You see, even the most introverted person among us will influence roughly 10,000 people over the course of their lifetime. So this is like, you are the most introverted person in that you know, you don't even like conversations. You're like, I wanna, like, you're two steps removed from like living in a, a cabin in Montana by yourself. It's, you're like, you don't wanna talk to people. Even the most introverted person among us will influence 10,000 people over the course of your lifetime. You're like, who are these people? You have family, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have baristas, you have people who work at receptions desks that you interact with just in passing ways, but you're gonna interact with, you're gonna influence 10,000 people over the course of your life. What would happen if your devotional life, if your prayer life began to be shaped by the names of the people you interact with on a daily basis? 
that as you're writing out your prayers to God, you begin to, to create a list of people and you begin praying for them by name. God, I pray for, for John when I see him tomorrow morning when I pick up my coffee in the same day, in the same time, in the same location, every single week. What if, what if I prayed for him, God? What would it happen if I prayed for, for, for Wendy who works the receptionist desk when I, I walk by her at work every day but I've never spoken to her? What would happen if your prayer list began to be shaped by the people you come into contact with daily? See, I believe that, that life would begin flowing out of us in those momentary conversations and those, those momentary pieces of our life that we feel like they're interruptions. But in reality, they are our lives. That instead of passing by someone, the, my prayer life has shaped my heart for someone so that I'm, I receive God's heart in the place of prayer for that person. So then when I'm walking by them, I don't want to pass them by because I've developed God's heart for them. And I want to look them in the eye and say, how are you doing today? And actually want to hear the answer. It's that moment when we, we spend time with the Lord and we spend time in devotion in the place of prayer that, that God, that the Holy Spirit can do a deep work inside of our hearts so that when we, we, we're squeezed in a moment that would normally create pressure, the external circumstance that would normally cause death to come out of our heart, now all of a sudden life begins to come out. That it's no longer out of the abundance of my heart. It's salt water, it's poisonous, it's death. But out of the abundance of my heart, it's fresh water. It's refreshing to the people who are going through life and may not know Jesus and may be far from him. But through my words and through my, my dialogue with them online, in person, but through, through my words, I can bring life and refreshment and healing and restoration to them because I've spent much time with God. I believe that God has called us as the people of God to be the people who speak life into our world. You see, because our words aren't just influenced, they don't just impact our relationship with other people, but our, our words actually impact our relationship with God as well. It's amazing when you look at the creation story, when you see what God did in creation in Genesis 1, when he began to create the world, when he began to create the universe, he didn't use his hands. He used his words. He spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. And then he, he separated the dark, and he separated the lands and the seas and created creatures and all of these things. And it's the creation story is the story of God speaking what was not into what is. And if that's not enough in the creation story, we see it echoed in the gospel narrative of Jesus Christ. We see it in John chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God. Isn't it so interesting, John's account of Jesus becoming incarnate is through the imagery of the word of God becoming flesh and blood. And when we look at how 
God created the universe and how he sent Jesus into this world, it is through him speaking, it is through his word. And if that wasn't enough, this is, this is so amazing to me when I think about this. When he created man and woman in his image, he breathed the breath of God into us. And he filled our, our lungs with air so that we could speak. You see, our vocal cords process vibrations because it's an air pushing out through our vocal cords, creating vibrations that enable humans to speak. Out of the abundance of what's going on on the inside of us in creation, God created us in this way that he is gonna breathe his life into us and it's through his breath that we're able to speak back life to the world around us. We have an opportunity to be people who are marked by God, who speak life into situations and circumstances and places and people that the world has forgotten, that the world doesn't want anything to do with. But as the people of God, we get to be the ones who perpetually speak life into those scenarios. God says that there is the power of death and life in your words. It's so easy to fall into the trap as Christians that I wanna achieve, I wanna work hard, I wanna, I wanna see what I can build with my own two hands. I wanna strive and try to do everything I can do to succeed in this life. And we try to do it on so many other fronts, but we f stop short of using the most powerful thing God has given us, and those are our words. Christ inside me, the power of the Holy Spirit active in my life, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is gonna speak. I'm gonna speak life. See, I love the way that, John, or that Paul writes this to the Roman church. See, our words are how we relate to one another. Our words are how we relate to God. And actually it's our words play a part in salvation. Our words play a part in us coming to know Jesus. Paul wrote it to the Roman church in Romans chapter 10. It says, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your hearts. And verse nine says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See Paul, James, Proverbs, Jesus, creation. You see all of these, these authors of the, the word of God, we see it coming together in one place and it's perpetually saying what's going on on the inside comes out by the words that you speak. And today, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you, where, where are you at in your relationship with God? You're online, you're at a watch party, you're watching on your phone or with, by yourself, even in your home. 
And today you wanna cross the line of faith and, and begin a relationship with Jesus. We just read it in Romans that if we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand just right where you're at. Even if you're in one of the chats, just, just raise your hand and say, me, I want to. Just right where you're at, just raise your hand. Amen. I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer and it's, it's not everything you need to say to God, but it's, it's the best place to start. Jesus, with all my heart, I believe in you. So now with my mouth, I confess that you are Lord. Save me. Take up residence in my heart. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And Radiant Church, can we give everyone who just prayed that prayer a huge round of applause? I just want to encourage you, you just, you made the single best decision you'll ever make in all of your life. It's the most impactful decision you will ever make this side of eternity. For the rest of us, let's go ahead and stand up on our feet. As we prepare to sing, as we prepare to worship, I just want to encourage you that today as you take inventory of what's happening in your heart, what's going on in your heart. When you look at it and you inspect the, the nature of what's happening, do you see life coming out? Or do you see more death than you'd like coming out? Do you see fresh water or do you see salt water? I wanna encourage you that as we sing this, this last song together, that we'll not only lift up the name of Jesus, but we'll, we'll allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us, to begin a work inside of us. So Jesus, we worship you today. God, we give you our hearts afresh. God, and we say that it's, it's, your, it's your house, it's your residency, God. We want our hearts to be filled with the presence of God. We want our hearts to be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit, with fresh water, with life, so that we can speak life to our, to our surroundings, to our environments, to the people we influence in life. God, and, and forgive us of using our words to tear down. Forgive us for, for using our words to harm people. Forgive us for, for using our words to, to break down and destroy instead of build up. So Jesus, we say with, with all of our hearts today, do a work inside of us. Do a work inside of our hearts today. God, we need your power. We need your presence, Holy Spirit. Transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.